Hi everyone, my name is Charlie Ifra and welcome to my podcast. Today we're talking Twitter. We're going to talk about the controversies, the scandals, the outcries, the good things, the bad things, the ugly things, and all the fun stuff in between. So let's start out with what is Twitter. So I'll give you a quick high level of what Twitter is, and then we'll jump into some of the interesting things that are going on. So not everybody uses Twitter. So just for those of you who don't, uh, Twitter is a social media platform. Uh, its primary purpose is to spread information quickly. Uh, we saw during the Arab Spring, um, we even see today uh, with the Iranian protests, how organizers are spreading the word on where the protests are happening. Um, and it's allowing for uh, the word to get around really quickly. And it allows for um, the people to bypass, <clears throat> excuse me, to bypass the governments or the media um, uh, in, in, in order to get their message out to the masses very quickly. Twitter is an amazing platform. It's used by corporations. It's used by individuals. Almost all major corporations have a Twitter account and a lot of individuals, especially people with influence. Uh, so you have influencers, you have authors, you have artists, podcasters, activists, um, reporters, uh, and many other types of people that have a voice and want to get their message out. Since Twitter was created, there have been people that were really unknown and now have major voices with millions of followers. So it's a very powerful pro it's a very powerful product um, and very valuable to the world. Twitter was founded in 2006. It was founded by Jack Dorsey and Evan Williams. I think they might have had a third co-founder, um, but Evan Williams and Jack Dorsey switched off as CEO in the early days. Um, and then um, in more recent times, Jack Dorsey was running the company um, and he eventually um, slowly winded down his CEO role. Um, and eventually it seems like he either got pushed out uh, by the board or he walked away. Now, Jack Dorsey operates another company called Square, and I think that's where his main focus is. He's the CEO of Square. Um, <clears throat> and at the time, he was CEO of both companies. Um, that's where the purchase of Twitter comes in. So um, the CTO of Twitter for a short period of time took over as the CEO. His name was Parag Agarwal. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And... <clears throat> Parag and um, there was another instrumental person at Twitter whose name was Vija Gadi, and she was the head of legal and head of safety and privacy. Um, and so they were running Twitter and they were really calling the shots at Twitter alongside the board uh, when Elon Musk put in his offer to purchase the company. Um, with a lot of legals and a lot of back and forth, we don't have to get into all of that. <clears throat> There were some controversies around how Elon Musk was going about the purchase of the company. But in the end, he did pay the price that he offered for the company. And um, in the last few weeks, Elon Musk purchased the company. And that's where all the controversy and hysteria and fun and games all started happening. So the first really cool story is um, Elon Musk is known to be a little bit of a troll. So... The day that he took over Twitter, he walked in holding a big sink and uh, he tweeted, let that sink in, which is kind of cheesy, but also funny. 
uh, for the people that are rooting for Twitter and for him to be the new um, the new C owner or um, for now interim CEO. Um, and a really funny story also happened because there is an element of the media that's very hysterical about uh, this purchase of Twitter and the actions that Elon Musk is taking um, in this takeover. And so through the hysteria, some really funny things have been going on. And there is one funny story that I want to highlight. So the first day uh, that he takes over Twitter, these two characters, they didn't they never worked at Twitter. Um, but they're kind of nerdy looking guys. They're actually one of them I know for sure is the founder of a startup. Uh, but they're nerdy looking guys and they kind of totally fit into the like engineer type of persona. And they um, they went to Twitter headquarters on the day that Elon took it over with cardboard boxes and they acted like they got fired and they were leaving with these boxes with their belongings. And all these uh, reporters came, you know, running over to them and started asking them, like, what were you? What were you doing at Twitter? And they played this amazing sob story about getting laid off and um they one of them reported that his um he he doesn't know how he's going to make his next car payments and he's saying that he drives a tesla and he pulls out of his uh box uh, a book of michelle michelle obama's book and starts saying this would have never happened under obama um and he's like almost crying and um and then when the reporters asked them what their names are, uh, they went with this um, Raul Ligma and uh, Daniel Johnson. Now, for those of you who don't know how hilarious that is, there is a famous um, Reddit meme um, that's Ligma Johnson. Um, and uh, I won't go into all the details, <clears throat> but for those of you who understand, I'll say it again, Ligma Johnson. And so this this meme was basically, um, you know, carried over into this prank and the news media, major news outlets went out there and reported uh, the story of Raul Ligma and Daniel Johnson um, with their interviews. And the whole thing was just a prank. Now, it's interesting to me that the media is getting so carried away with this story and to the point where they're actually getting uh, fooled by these pranksters. And this isn't the only story. There are many other stories where tweets went out and reporters are retweeting it. And it's just pranksters um, just, you know, trying to get a kick out of the media's hysteria over this purchase. So the question that I ask myself is why is the media so hysterical over this? And why is everyone like you have massive amounts of people, uh, especially public people in the media, especially the legacy media that are really against the purchase of Twitter uh, by Elon Musk? And I ask myself, why is this happening? And I'm trying to wrap my head around it. And there is really a few things that come to mind. And the first thing that comes to mind is I think that they're really scared. I think that Twitter has the potential to be an open platform where uh, opposing um, opinions are allowed. And I think historically, what we've been seeing with Twitter is that many voices, especially on the right, have been silenced, have been banned. And like we see that all the way from people who had 
you know, disagreements on, you know, vaccination or they had disagreements on, um, you know, um, political opinions. Um, at a certain point, there was these movements where people would just get banned. And I think that the mentality was, is if you don't agree with someone, just silence them. And that seemed to be something that was accepted in the company culture at Twitter. And I, I want to call out that Twitter actually and absolutely has the right to ban whoever they want. And under the management, under the previous management, they had the full right uh, to do it because freedom of speech is not in the context of a private company or a company. Freedom of speech is a citizen in the context of their government. So our freedom of speech rights in the United States is a constitutional right be in the context of you and your government. So you can go and protest your government. But if you go to your CEO and, uh, and tell your CEO where to go, he, he or she has the full right to fire you because the company has the right to set the speech guidelines within the organization. And so having said that, there were still a lot of opinions in, in, in if Twitter is allowed to or should be banning people or silencing people because of their opinions or because of the speech that they're, um, that they're, um, they're, they're speaking. And so now that um, Elon took over the company, my personal opinion is that there are a lot of people that have opinions that they don't want to debate. These are opinions that they hold and they hold as true and if they could silence the people that disagree with them, they would. And in the past, it seems that that behavior was happening. And so I see a big reason why people would be triggered and start getting afraid, because if they are of the mindset where we can just silence people we disagree with, and all of a sudden, the same platform is opening up again to people that, um, you know, we may not necessarily agree with, um, that can be a threat to um, mainstream media, especially the legacy um, and far left-wing media. They are used to being able to silence people um, when now there is a fear that, um, you know, opposing opinions might be, um, you know, visible on the platform. And I truly believe that the media outlets or the mindset of the people that don't want to debate are going to end up losing. America is very strong. And I truly believe that uh, most people are centrists and they might go center right or they might go center left. Uh, but I think most people are in the center, um, you know, either a little to the right or to the left. And I think that it's really important for us to debate. And if you think that something is... Um, is wrong, then, then give a better way. I, I truly believe that that's the fear that's causing all of this hysteria that you see in the, in the legacy news media. Now, there are a few other um, things that I want to talk about in the potential of what Twitter might become. And I think that if Twitter becomes um, these things that I'll, I'll outline in a second, I think that um, there is also a reason for other companies including legacy media, but also certain social media companies to be afraid. 
So the first thing that I'll mention is payments. So we know that on Twitter right now, there is a tipping um, feature where users could tip influencers, um, but there's no real payments system on the, on the uh, Twitter platform. We all know that Elon Musk is the founder or co-founder of PayPal. And if there is anyone who understands payments, it's him. We also know that Elon Musk is a big cryptocurrency person, or at least he's a fan of Bitcoin. And so, and he has a true understanding of the blockchain. So if you think about regular payments on a platform, um, it can get really expensive when you're processing payments. But if you're doing micro payments with cryptocurrency, um, he can implement or Twitter can implement uh, blockchain technology like Dogecoin or Bitcoin uh, or the Lightning Network or Cardano or Ethereum or any or Solana or any of these uh, well-known cryptocurrency blockchains that will allow for small micropayments to happen. Now, where payments will play even a bigger role is if Twitter starts allowing content creators like podcasters to start posting long-form content on the platform. About a week or two ago, Elon Musk tweeted, should we bring Vine back? For those of you who don't remember or don't recall, Vine was a video platform that was owned by Twitter and they sunsetted that feature. By bringing back Vine, obviously it would be, uh, I imagine, a, a much newer and better version. It'll allow for content creators, video creators, to start posting their content on Twitter, and it'll allow for Twitter to ena enable those content creators to mon monetize their, their content. And I think that there's a massive opportunity in content creation and in allowing for um, video, and long-form video especially, to be on the Twitter platform. Another feature that I think Twitter should really double down on is the subscription model. So a lot of people are complaining because Elon Musk said uh, uh, Elon Musk launched Twitter Blue, which is allowing users to become verified for eight dollars a month. Now, some people freaked out about it, and I, I really don't understand the freak out. First of all, the company is not making profits and they need to think of ways to bring money in. Now, is the eight dollar a month uh, fee a, a solution to really solve all their problems? Absolutely not. But. If you think about LinkedIn, LinkedIn's um, starter membership is $29.99. Uh, and it goes all the way up to um, $119.99. Now think about if Twitter adds payments and video and any other features, um, that $8.99 or tiers that are more and more expensive will be absolutely worth it. And, and it's normal. Why wouldn't a company charge users for uh, their service? I don't understand why people feel entitled and think that that's normal to complain about uh, a subscription fee. And by the way, the $8 a month is only optional. You won't be verified, which is what most people weren't before this feature became available. And therefore, I truly think that it's going to be, uh, it's a great way to um, a, a subscription model is a great way for uh, new profits into the business. Uh, finally, um, TikTok is most likely going to get banned in the United States. 
Um, it's probably not going to happen under this president. It may, but it's probably not. But I imagine the next president, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican, they're going to ban TikTok. They already banned TikTok in India. And I think that if they are going in the direction of a TikTok ban, there is a massive opportunity for Twitter to revive Vine and allow for um, the content creators on TikTok, the American, the US content creators on TikTok to seamlessly move into Twitter. Um, time will tell to see if this is something or not, but I truly believe that there's an opportunity there. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope this was informative and um, please, if you disagree with any of my statements uh, or if you learn something or want to teach me something new, please reach out to me, comment um, and uh, DM me if you want as well. Thanks for watching and I hope to see you next week. Bye for now.